Let's go to the New Testament reading, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, verse 10 to verse 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh or blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take all the shield of faith with with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, in proclaiming my mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly, as I ought to speak. Amen. Brothers and sisters, have a seat, please. As we hear with, we read Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. The message today has for name, Know Your Enemy. Today I would like to make an attempt, and with God's help, it will be so, to let you know that we all have an enemy. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. He is a diabolical, malevolent creature with great power who is on the loose in our world. He is an agent foe who is brought untold pain and misery to our race to us, the humans, the human race. In fact, this individual has played such an influence, influential role in world affairs down through the centuries that is literally impossible to understand either previous history with the present world situation. 
without an accurate knowledge of him. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to understand the evil one so we can be protected. An illustration of the recent past can be taken from World War II. Has ever crossed your mind that an attempt was made to eliminate all Jews from the face of the earth? Why Jews? Why not Hungarians or Italians or Scotsmen or Irishmen or Albanians or Nigerians or Englishmen? Why the Jews? I submit to you that you will never understand the answer to the question without a comprehension of this evil one. Are you asking whom am I speaking? I'm speaking of no one other than his infernal majesty, Satan. Oh, but I can hear someone saying, you don't really believe in the personal devil, do you? Not in the 21st century. Certainly I do. Only a fool will not. If you believe in God, you simply must believe in the devil. The existence of Satan is taught in seven books of the Old Testament. And by every New Testament writer. So if it is in the Bible, all over the Bible, he does exist. And I do believe, and I hope that you do believe. Our Holy Lord Jesus warns of him, confronted him, and defeated him, the devil, in the spiritual combat. <coughs> Satan's presence can be seen in the world as the inspirer of every atrocity known to men. He is in every battlefield. He is behind every false religion, including communism and the, satan and the satanic deception of the so-called atheism. So, behind all of that, we have the evil one. And, and, and I, sometimes we probably never even thought about it or, 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 or put that together. He is the tempter of, tempter of every imaginable sin. He is in every hospital room. He is in every mortuary. He is behind all the evil that we see around us in the world. Everywhere. Only a fool can deny his existence. But the great tragedy is that people in general are so unknowledgeable about him. And of course, he likes that. He doesn't want you to know about him. And the, the less we know, the happier he is. It is my, first com my firm conviction that a failure to know your enemy will in inevitably result in our humiliating defeat at his hands. 
and the consequences will be terrible. Therefore, this morning I intend to use the scriptures to roll back the curtain so that you can see your invisible enemy face to face. The message will be a combination of exposition and exhortation, teaching and preaching. May I say that to ignore this message would be very unwise on your part. You see, Satan doesn't want you to hear any of it. The Bible uses numerous and very designations to identify and describe this malignant creature. For example, five different names are employed in Scripture. His original name was given to him by God, and it was Lucifer. Lucifer means son of, son of the morning and identify him as leader of the angelic host. He was vested by God with great beauty, great power, great wisdom, more than the other creatures that God created. However, after this treachery, after his treachery, perpetrated against Almighty God, became known thereafter as Satan. This word Satan appears 52 times in the scriptures, and it means adversary. This word pictures the evil one as the arch enemy and opposer of God and his people. Not only God, but God and his people. But there is a third name that the Bible gives to him. He's also called the devil. This term is employed 35 times and means a slanderer. This word, this word portrays an individual who gives out maliciously false information that it is intended to ruin the reputation of another. Every time you have done that, you have gone the way of Satan. <coughs> is this the devil's aim? It is the devil's aim to slander or defame the holy character of, and sovereign purposes of God. For example, have you ever heard anyone say, if God is love, and if God has all the power, how come there is sickness and pain in the world? You're going to hear that everywhere, right? Uh, well, brothers and sisters in the faith, that kind of talk comes straight from the pit of hell. I say that because Satan knows full well that disease and death enter the human race as a consequence of sin, the sin that he perpetrated. So he's, he uses that because most of us are ignorant. And, and we're going to touch on that too. Furthermore, he knows that he personally tempted Adam and Eve and led them into iniquity. Yet, despite his guilt, the devil attempts to blame God 
So he slanders God before men. And men who are ignorant of the Holy Scriptures are his easy prey. It is a sad, it is a sad story to say that, but uh, that happens. A forename used for Satan is Belzebul. This word was employed by the Jews at the time of Christ to speak of the ruler over all the demonic forces. And then a fifth name is given to him, the name of Belial. This term appears frequently in the Old Testament and has the sense of outer worthlessness. But by the time the New Testament came into being, Belial has become a proper name for Satan, who was the most worthless and wicked individual in the universe. So the name was properly applied. Along with these names, the Bible gives six titles to Satan, which will further acquaint us with him. He is referred to us as the evil one. 1 John 5.19 Speaking of the outer and total spiritual corruption of his nature, at the time of his sin and disobedience to God, he lost all the holiness that God gave him and became totally corrupt and degenerate. Everything good in him became evil, and he became the personification of evil. The scripture also gives him the title of the tempter. You can see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. And it warns us of his insatiable desire to cause men to sin, to bring them down, to ruin their lives, and bring destruction to them. Third, he is referred to us as the prince of this world. You can see that in John chapter 12, verse 31. This unveils to us his grand influence over the affairs of men. You cannot understand the world without understanding, understanding him. The fourth title given to him is the God of this age. And you can see that on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The title explains to us his desire to his desire for worship, the God of his age. He wanted to be like the most high. He wanted his throne to be above the stars of God. He was already over the angelic host. They already received the instructions from God through him. But that wasn't enough for him. He wanted to independently of God be over the angelic host and for them to worship and serve him as they did God. See how it goes growing little by little. It is interesting that he did not want to be not like God. Oh, no. 
He wanted to be like God. He wanted to replace God, which is impossible. And so he had to settle for trying now to counterfeit God every way that he can. The fifth title given to him is the Prince of the Power of the Earth. And it is mentioned in Ephesians chapter, verse, chapter 2, verse 2. Which warns us, cautions us, that he is a most formidable adversary. The sixth title given to him is the accuser of the brethren. We read this, we can see this in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. That informs us that believers are a special object of his wrath. He hates Israel. But he not only hates Israel, he hates the church of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, the holy writings provide us with four graphic representations of the devil. In the scripture, he is pictured as a serpent, Revelations 12, 3. A dragon. In the scripture, he's envisioned as a dragon, Revelations, sorry, serpent, Revelations 12, 9. Dragon, Revelations 12, 3. A dragon that threatens the people of God. In the scriptures, he is seen as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 is one that deceives, pretending to be an emissary of the true God, when in reality is teaching half-truth or a direct lie and is misleading people. In the scripture, he is represented as a roaring lion. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. A roaring lion intimidates. And that is what he likes to do with the saints of God. As well as with the undegenerate. Intimidate us by roaring. Of his character, the Bible declares that he is a murderer. John chapter 8, verse 44. He is a lion and the father of all lies. John 8, 44. He is a confirmed reprobate sinner. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He is a false accuser and malicious tellbearer. Revelation 12, 10. He is our adversary. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8. An adversary is one who is your opponent in a lawsuit. <coughs> and it is his job to pray, to pry, and to probe until he finds the flaws in his opponent. And when he finds those flaws, he uses them against his opponent to exploit and defeat him. Satan not only is brilliant, but has thousands of years of experience dealing with people that are far more brilliant than we are. You can be sure he knows your every weakness. 
every one of them. And if you think that you don't have a weakness or that he doesn't know it, you are really in trouble because he's got you. He can lead you every way he desires because you don't know you got a witness. If you don't know that you have a witness, he's got you. The question that naturally arises is where did he come from? Well, remember God created Lucifer. And he created Lucifer in innocence and he endowed him in holiness with great wisdom and great power. And here it comes. But Lucifer sinned. The book of Ezekiel tells us that iniquity was found in him when he sought to displace God. And so he is not co-eternal with God. He is not a dualistic force with God with equal power. He is, a he is a created being that had a beginning, but has turned against his creator, and therefore he was judged. But maybe you will, you still haven't gotten the picture, and you are asking, what has all of that had to do with me? Well, let me tell you, everyone here this morning falls into two, into one or two categories. Some are believers in Jesus Christ. They are regenerated. They trust in him entirely for salvation. Nothing else, no one else. Jesus Christ and his righteousness alone. Others are unbelievers. Some know it and some don't know it. An unbeliever is anyone who is placing their confidence and trust for salvation in anything or anyone else apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. I'll read it again. An unbeliever is anyone who is placing their confidence and trust for salvation in anything or anyone else apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Perhaps you are trusting your church membership. That won't save you. Perhaps you're trusting your Christian baptism, that won't save you. Perhaps you trust in your good works, that won't save you either. Your good life won't save you. None of these things will save you. Not works of righteousness that we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Only. Brothers and sisters, Satan 
has a program to deal with both, the saints and the unbelievers. So listen carefully. First of all, against believers, the devil's objectives are manifold, and you must be aware of them. He seeks to do many things to us believers. He seeks to deceive us, as he did Eve, by causing her to doubt the wisdom and goodness of God. Anytime Satan can cause you to doubt God's wisdom, or God's love, or God's concern, or God's interest in you, he's trying to deceive you and lead you away from the Lord. God will not withhold any good thing from his children. He will, he will not always give you what you want, but he will give you what is best for you, as any loving father would do. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He promises always to be with you through sickness, trials, and tribulations. We must never doubt the love, the concern, the wisdom, or the will of our Holy Father. Satan will seek to discourage you. So you will throw up your arms out in despair as he sought to do with Job, making you think that God has forgotten about you. You have not been forgotten. God has not forgotten you. He knows everything you are facing, and he is concerned. Satan will seek to tempt us to sin, any conceivable, imaginable sin. Whatever your weakness is, that is the way that he will tempt you. In the scriptures we read that he tempted, he tempted Ananias and his wife Sapphira to lie. And we know how that ended up. And if you want to review that, go to the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, tells us that Satan tempts to immorality. He's doing that constantly in the world today. Constantly. All you need to do is turn the TV on, pick up a magazine, uh, see an ad on, on, on the streets, or if you're in New York City walking downtown, you see all these ads. You can see that there. These are only two of the multitude of sins that he will tempt you with. This is just an example. He also seeks to accuse and slander us. You must never forget that he is brilliant and that he is an experienced adversary. He knows all about us. He knows your every weakness. Brothers and sisters in the faith, Satan knows all about your past sins, knows about your idolatry and your blasphemy, your lying and stealing and deception and lust and adultery. 
and murder and slander. He knows all about them. He has very good memory. And if you are not careful, he will use them against you if you will let him. Because the worst thing that he can use against the Christian is the truth. And I explain why. And he knows the truth about you. At least part of it, not the whole thing. If he would accuse you falsely, you can stand that. But when he brings the truth before you and he says, Do you remember when? You know, you were guilty of that. Then you paralyze. Because he got exactly perhaps what, what he bothered you the most. The key, dear brethren, with the accusations of the evil one is only one. The blood of Jesus Christ. Have you placed your sins under the cleansing blood of the Savior? That is a question for you to, to ponder and, and, and to think. If so, God says in Romans 8.33, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And he thunders that throughout the entire universe. I'll repeat again. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Keep that in mind. Who? Beloved, the evil one knows about that challenge. It is important to remember that God did not elect you because of your goodness. Did not elect me because of my goodness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. So, we don't carry anything in our backs. The old has passed away. And when Satan tracks out, tracks out the old sins, and he confronts you with them, Sure, you were guilty of them, but they are now finished and passed. They are now under the blood of Christ. And don't let him use them against you. Don't. Church history tells us that in one occasion he came to Martin Luther. And he began to recite at the most sacred time in Luther's life, all of his sins. Luther began to get miserably depressed and went into despair as he was prone to do in occasion. Finally, Martin Luther came to his senses because Satan had ended the list of sins. And he tells him, you have forgotten how whole page of my sins. And Luther began and Luther began and Luther proceeded to 
ask the evil one an interesting question. By the way, you have never seen? And follow with something that he knew he didn't have, and it was, do you have a sin bearer? So meaning, do you have a Jesus Christ <laughs> for you? Well, everything continues. And we see that Satan also seeks to hinder our ministry. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, explains how the Apostle Paul was hindered by demonic forces sent by Satan as he wanted to minister to the Thessalonians and to others. Satan, Satan will use unbelievers. Satan will use unwilling believers to do his bearing and hand work if he can use them to try in some way to hinder the work of God. So he will use anything. That's, nothing is out of his realm. He hates, and these brothers and sisters, I want you to understand, you the ones that are watching on TV or, or, or listening later on, I want you to understand this. He hates the worship of God. He will do anything he can to keep you from worshiping God. He does not want you to worship God. He doesn't want you to tell others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This is something that we all should keep in our minds. And in the morning when you wake up and, 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 you, and your big toe hurts, oh, I'm not going to church. Well, think about it. Your toe is going to hurt in church or, or at home. So let's not use excuses and not give him more opportunities to grow in our lives. So he will use any means that he can. And he doesn't fight fair to and he doesn't fight fair to keep you from telling others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He will throw anything to you. He will employ demons to discourage and defeat us. That, that is what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. He will send unbelievers to persecute us. It may, happen, it may happen where you work, sometimes directly, sometimes in very subtle ways. And some of you have experienced that at work or in, in your communities. But never forget, your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against spiritual enemies. And so, behind every situation that you face in this world with humans, there is the evil one on top of that, invisible, inciting them to come against you in some way. You need to expect it. It will be a part of your life while you live on this earth. It will be from to the end. What would you do 
What will he do to you as an unbeliever? I was talking now to believers. Now let's talk about what will he do to an unbeliever? Well, the Bible tells us that he will blind your mind. We read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He will do it. He will do it through religion. That's one way he's going to do it, through religion. See, Satan is not against religion. He is the greatest religious religionist in the world. He loves religion. He hates the truth of God's perfect and holy and righteous religion. That he does. But he is the author of all false religions. And he doesn't object at all when people get involved in religion. Because as long as he can keep them from worshiping the true God, he has their attention diverted. And they are ultimately worshiping him in their ignorance. So, he may blind your mind from religion. So someone, he may blind your mind from religion. Okay? So if someone comes to you and they talk to you about placing your faith in Jesus Christ, this is an unbeliever, as the Bible clearly, clearly says, to do for the forgiveness of sins, and you, you will look at them and say, that cannot be enough. And that's a typical reaction from an unbeliever. It cannot be enough. It's, it, it's too simple. Where am I? If it is my salvation, I may be part of it. I must be part of it. That is the reaction of the unbelievers. And that is something that Satan loves to hear because he knows what's going to happen. What do you mean that can, cannot be enough? God say it is enough. Who told you it wasn't enough? Well, it's my former church. Or... Oh, my religion. Aha. Uh -huh. Then, brothers and sisters, that must not be the religion of Jesus Christ. Because there is only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. I know you got excited. He might blind your mind through philosophy. And a few months ago, the pastor was talking about philosophy. Remember that? The Apostle Paul cautions and warns believers in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 8, when he says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy 
and vain, and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. People will read it and they will say, hmm, well, that's ancient stuff. That was written when? That's a very old thing. No. The verse is not old. That is a very modern stuff. Existentialism, evolution, etc., etc. They're all the topics that the verse is talking about. The ancient lies were good enough for the ancients. But Satan is up to date. He's got lies that will blind the minds of the contemporary geniuses as well. So he's not only dealing with the old people in the past, but today. Satan may blind your mind through the hypocrisy of Christians. If you can see the hypocrisy of Christians, you haven't looked very well. But let me say this. There are hypocrites in the world that buy groceries at the same store where the rest of us buy ours. So we are all over the place, Christians. You breathe the same air, receive the same blessings through the common grace of God. So if you are an unbeliever and you have been hindered from coming to Christ because you feel we are hypocrites, we are indeed sinners. But be patient with us because God isn't finished yet. And we apologize for being a hindrance in your coming to faith in the Lord Jesus. Satan may also blind your mind through selfishness. He's using this very effectively in our times, which is basically a total preoccupation with the material and the temporal. People just cannot get free from this world's system to think. Satan doesn't want them to think. So they are constantly involved in one activity after another. It is mind-boggling. They always have something to plug into their ears. And it is simply distracting. It's simply distracting them. They can't think because it's bang, bang, bang. One thing after another. In their ear. So the music and games and this and that. So that keeps them busy. Do you know that do you know what I'm saying, brothers? They simply just do not have any time to sit down and think. And that may involve us. Let's be careful with that. Satan is petrified that if they begin to think, they will wonder, what is going to happen to me after I die? And I don't know if that happened to you, but it did happen to me. <coughs> I asked that question to myself, and for a moment, I, 
shook me. And that's why I'm here. See, he is in trouble when you begin to think. So please, do not get lost in trivialities. But he tries to convince the world that Christians don't think. You've heard that, uh, and, and you can hear on TV, on the radio, people talking, they think that we're dumb. We don't think, right? Only unsaved people think. That's what they think. I have news for you. It is just the opposite. It is not so. It is just the opposite. Satan will come, the scripture tells us in Luke 1. In Luke, I wonder what goes forward and you hear it. He will try to snatch away the seed. He will do it through ridicule. When you walk away, when you walk out out of here, out of here this morning, and you tell someone that you know, whether it is a friend or relative, what you hear today, and you wait for their reaction, they will say, you don't really believe that, do you? See? That is ridicule. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. And Satan just snatched the truth away from you. You would go in with the truth, and by being afraid of the ridicule, he took the day. Or they may intimidate you saying, don't believe that. Or they may try to argue with you. And then you don't know what to say. So you give up and Satan again wins the day. Unsafe friend. I'm talking to all of you, unsafe friends. His infernal majesty wants your soul. And if necessary... He will ruin you in the process. He will stop at nothing to keep you from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and being saved and regenerated. He will lie about God at every turn. He will take the greatest offer in the universe, which is the offer of salvation, and make it sound like it's meaningless. Don't let him do, do it to you. Don't. Well, what can we do? Is everything hopeless? No. Not at all. In fact, it's rather exciting. And the scripture gives us some guidelines. So let me briefly share some of them with you. First, the scripture tells us to respect the enemy. And I will tell you where. Jude, verse 8 and 9,
tells us that even the Archangel Michael, they're not to bring an accusation against Satan. Instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Don't take him lightly. He has the power and the wisdom to make a fool of you. Second, resist him. Resist. You must understand that all he can create are the circumstances that makes sin appear very attractive. So create the circumstances that make sin appear attractive. So resist that. <coughs> Satan can never make you sin. He cannot make you sin, but he presents you with the opportunity. When we sin, we sin by choice. And we can read this in James chapter 1. So we are to resist him. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We can resist him. We ought to resist him in the faith through the word of God. That's the only way that we can resist him. We do not have the power to resist him. But the word of God does. Third, draw near to God. James chapter 4, 7 to 8 reads, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, we read, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. One last word. If we go to Matthew, and we'll finish with this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. When Jesus was sending the, the apostles two by two all over the place, he tells him this, And do not fear those which kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. At first reading, you might misunderstand, thinking that he said fear Satan. But he's not saying that. He's saying, don't fear Satan. Fear the almighty God who has absolute almighty sovereign power and commit yourself to him. Receive his son as your personal savior and crown him Lord of your life. Fear him he is not only able to destroy the body, but the soul in hell. You see, Satan doesn't control hell. God administers hell. And it was created for Satan. Created for. And Satan someday will be punished there. 
forever and ever and ever. But it is, but he's told the lie often enough all over the world that some people seem to think that hell is going to be a marvelous place for an unbeliever. He can do everything he likes down there. And with Satan running things, it's going to be a wide open town. No. Don't believe that. It's not going to happen. That is not the way it is. He doesn't control it. He will be punished there with all the wicked angels and all of those that hate God. So our fear should not be of the evil one, but of the sovereign one. That causes us to come to him and throw ourselves upon his mercy for salvation and then seek to please him in all things through our lives. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Without your word, we would be in total ignorance of these vital matters that are so necessary for our comprehension. So we would not be swallowed up or run over by the evil one. Cause every Christian here to reconsecrate himself to the to a life of the dedicated service and worship, endeavoring to allow you to use each of us to your glory, to your honor, to your praise. That our primary and ultimate concern may always be the glory of God and the will of God. Those that are here this morning that do not know Christ or are not sure, may you strike fear in their hearts of thee and may cause them this morning to say, Lord God, forgive me for my sins. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart and save me. May they go out of here with their sins forgiven and not ashamed to tell others that they belong to thee. We thank you, Father, that the battle is dying. If that would not be we would be lost. In Jesus' name, with thanksgiving. Amen and amen.